let me turn on my mic because I think I messed up last time on that. Um, I'm hoping that you're not crying instead of cheering by the end of this, so I'm um, just kind of hang in there. Uh, thank you, everyone. Um, this is like an opportunity that it's just so overwhelming, and I feel so blessed to be here. But um, a couple of housekeeping rules before we start. Let's see if I can. Um, there's a disclaimer that I have to put up here. Um, you know, because Dave hasn't gone through word by word through this process, so, um, you know, the views and opinions expressed by, in this, by this vicar during the sermon are those of the vicars and do not necessarily reflect the views or position of fellowship of faith. Okay. So, um, and I'm encouraging, because I'm in a learning process, I'm encouraging feedback so if you have any issues with the sermon or anything, you know, you really want to let me have it, you can send your comments to pastor at fellowshipoffaith.org. Okay. So just let us have, let me have it, okay? <laughs> um, last week, Dave started out and set the table for this, explaining about darkness and light and, and really the conflict that goes on in each of our lives. Um, so today... The first half of what I'm going to talk about is about darkness. So, you know, a pun is this is going to be dark for the first half. And hopefully hang with me on that and um, we'll get to the good part in the end. Um, This is going to be participatory. So everyone get your phone out and you'll find that um, when that will need to be done as it goes on. So I'm kind of giving people in church the opportunity to take their phones out. Um, but just keep them dark right now. Um, Anyways, uh, today's um, message comes from 1 John 1, 5 through 2 through, um, excuse me, 1 John 1, 5 through 2, 2. And I want to let everyone read this out because I read this many times during this week and sometimes I find that reading it out, you pick up things that you don't, get when you're reading them to yourself. And so let's start. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him, there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, Son, purifies us all. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. If we confess our sins, he us. And Lord, forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we ask this sin, sin. But if anyone does sin, we are an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for our sins, sins of the whole world. So when I first read this passage, um, you know, it seems pretty broad. You know, it seems to be 
given to a specific person or group of people and that John was writing to. You know, I don't walk in darkness. I recognize my sin. But, you know, when we got down to that last part where it talks about, um, but if anyone does sin, and I realized that this was personal now. This was not some general overall you know, message that was 35,000 feet, it was personal. And, and so, as I started preparing for this, as you know, many of you might know, I am a scientist, and those who don't now know I am a scientist. And uh, one of the things in meetings when I'm asked to come in and troubleshoot something or give my opinion on something, the first thing I do is, you know, I ask, show me the data. And I look at the data, and sees what, you know, try to see what the data is telling me. So, um, in that vein, I'm going to give you some data about darkness in the Bible. So just, some of this might light, some of you might light up with this, and some of you might, uh, okay, so just hang with me. Um, so, darkness is the 18th word that appears in the Bible in, in Genesis, okay, 18th, okay? So it is pretty much a point that I think God wants us focus on, darkness. It comes up really early. And um, it appears in the Bible 148 times. Um, NIV version, I know some other versions have more or less counts. It, it's 107 times it appears in the Old Testament and 41 times in the New Testament. So, um, I think now it's time for our first poll. And um, let's see, get that up. It's going to be, the question is, um, what book, okay, what book uses the Bible word darkness the most? And so, um, is there, where do you log it? Are you send everyone? Okay. Oh, okay. All right, sorry. <laughs> um, so if you pull out your phones and, you know, vote for Isaiah, Psalm, Job, or Revelation is where you think darkness appears most in the Bible. Oh. Okay. So is that the final tally, 100%? Psalms 50, Okay. <laughs> 50. Okay. This is exciting. This is like watching the uh, a, like a race. Okay. Hey, I'm hoping you're not taking out your Bible and, and searching for the word darkness, okay? Because that's cheating, okay? So uh, I'm going to go on, and actually, um, the uh, word darkness appears in Job the most. 31 times it appears in Job. Okay. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you might be late, but you're on board, okay? Keep it coming, so. So, I don't know, does that surprise you that it appears in Job? You know, it did to me, you know, it's like, and then as I read through Job over and over again, I'm like, boy, <laughs> you know, he lived a dark life. 
So um, the second poll is kind of a contrast where, I ask, where I'm asking is, what word appears cl- tied usually with darkness in the Bible? Okay, so meaning like night, death, dying, gloom, gloominess. So just, you know, have at your phones now that you got them out. No texting either. <laughs> All right. That looks pretty good. Yeah, you got it right. Light and lightness is where darkness is. It, it, it covers that, you know, and you got half of it right. If you got both of those right, I would have ended the message right now and said, you guys got this and gone home. But I think we need to go on. At least I do. Um, scientifically, Darkness is defined by the absence of light. So it isn't itself existing. It has to exist with light. And, um, and so when you look at it, and even in the first verses of Genesis, it said, in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that light was good and separated the light from darkness. Okay, and and so the order of this is really important, at least in my mind. There was darkness. Darkness, because there was no light. Darkness existed. Then light came, and I view it as light chased away the darkness. Um, that darkness hid from the light, much like it does today. Um, you know, and today we have lights at our fingertips with our phones, flashlights, we have all kinds of illumination, we have billboards, we have street lights, and all this illumination. It's really ironic to see that we live in such a world of darkness. Um, and, and that we, we just are illuminating, I think, the wrong things. So light pollution makes it impossible for us today to fully experience complete, the complete absence of light, darkness. Um, I actually had an opportunity to kind of do that and feel utter darkness. Um, a few years back, Jenny and, the, and Jenny, the kids and I took a trip to South Dakota yeah, that's how we roll in our family. <laughs> Looking for something to fill the afternoon, we decided to visit the Wind Cave, which is south of Mount Rushmore. Anyway, the cave is 50 feet below the surface, and it runs over 150 miles long. The only evidence of that cave as we walked up, besides the big entrance that was on the back, was the first, the first kids that actually found it was a small hole on the surface. And we went down, we were 50 feet underground, and about 20 minutes after we were admiring all the beauty of the cave, the guide said, I'm gonna turn the lights off for about a minute, because I want you to experience what this cave would have been like the first kids that were exploring it. So he turned the lights off. He also told us before that not to move, because, the darkness really messes with your senses. And so he said to stay still, don't move. And then he counted down. Um, he counted down 
And then he shut the lights off. You know, when they say that you can't see your hand, it's so dark you can't see your hand in front of your face, I put my face, my hand to my nose, and I couldn't see it. I could feel it, but I couldn't see it. There was no light at all, total absence of light. Um, but, you know, before he did turn the lights back on, I was able to get a selfie of, of us and the family. Um, you know how hard it is to get everyone lined up and take a picture like this? You know, of course, we, we couldn't use the lights, but anyways. So that's utter darkness, all right? Um, so... I'm going to show the next thing I'm going to do is, is, you know, we live with sight and we can get light. Um, there's, a, there's a next short video that I want to roll that um, gives you an example of someone that lives in dark and what dark does to a person that lives in the darkness. So, So I'm going to stop it there, and um, you know, one of the things that, that I learned from the cave experience and really from this video is that um, in the dark you have no perception. Um, you know, and darkness, the first data point that I had is darkness lies, okay, darkness lies. Um, there's no perspective in darkness. You know, even though Jenny and I, Jenny and the kids were within arm's distance of me, I felt like they were 100 miles away. Um, the opposite was true, though. Things that I thought were further away, if I moved my hand, I hit. So all of your perception is lost. Um, and I think we can all attest to this, when you wake up in the middle of the night and your toe finds that bedpost or that corner of something, you know, in my case, I'm hopping around thinking, um, somehow somebody rearranged the furniture between the time I shut my eyes and the time I had to go to the bathroom. Um, probably not, but that was just my perception. Another case is uh, we had, a, we had a, a golden retriever, Shiloh, and Shiloh was the most lovable, kind, loyal dog that anyone could have, but he wasn't the smartest, okay? You know, you know we all have those dogs. Um, anyways, um, we have a fireplace in, a, in our hearth. There is a, there's a stone slab, and he would sleep with his back of it, so the hearth was right over his, his um, head or body. And my oldest son, Brett, um, like any teenager, put his shoes away on top of the hearth. Okay, not the closet and the hearth. So Shiloh would be under that for, you know, half hour, hour sleeping. And when the light came, I'd say, hey, let's go up to bed, and I'd turn the lights off. Well, Shiloh would get up, turn towards the shoes, and start barking, growling, and, you know, attacking them. Um, I thought it weird, so I turned the lights back on. He was fine. Turned them off again started barking, growling at the shoes, got closer like he was going to attack. I turned the light back on. And then I realized he got closer to the shoes, and I realized 
that those shoes in the light were shoes, but in the dark were monsters to him. Um, I didn't know, maybe it was the smell of the shoes that he sensed it, you know, in the darkness, but they were monsters, okay? So, like any good pet owner, you know, I flipped the light switch off and out a few more times just to, you know, have a little fun. And uh, then, I, then I left the lights on and went upstairs, okay? So, uh, come on, you would have done the same thing. Um, what I concluded on that is, Familiar things are distorted in the darkness. The darkness lies. The second data point that I've got was darkness also distracts. You know, before GPS, the, the captains of ships would navigate by stars. You know, the North Star, other types of stars, because it gets very dark out in the ocean. And I always found this one phrase is, you know, if you don't know where you're going, how do you know when you don't get there? Um, and that's the thing, how you, when you deal in darkness, okay, you don't know where you're going and you don't know, how, don't know when you get there. But anyways, um, today we have GPS to eliminate that. But I argue that um, GPS by itself in your hand in a dark car and in, in a dark place is useless, okay, because you can't go anywhere. You need to move in the car. And so... You have to have it to be used as a tool to navigate. If anyone has um, tried to navigate without lights, without, with your GPS, without your lights on, in a rural abandoned country road, you know how difficult it is. Um, I don't know, I haven't tried it, but you may have. Um, so anyways, um, I... In February, I took a trip out to visit my daughter, Julie, who lives in uh, Moscow, Idaho. And because Moscow, Idaho is pretty much in the middle of nowhere, um, I had to fly into Spokane and then drive the 73 miles from Spokane down to Moscow. It was about 8.30 by the time I got my rental car, and I started driving. In about 10 minutes, Spokane had, the lights of Spokane had vanished in the back, and up ahead, I was looking at darkness. And if anyone has been in that area, they know that there's nothing, okay? There's no lights, there's no houses, there's nothing. And so, um, you know, when you look at the GPS, and I was looking at the GPS, it's really good at navigating the big picture, the overhead 35,000 feet. Those small, gentle, sloping turns that it displayed at ground level were kind of some hairpin turns. Um, and, and so being unfamiliar with it, I had to slow down. And I don't know if you've had this experience where your, your speed outruns your headlights. And so as coming around this turn, the headlights were had going straight, but my eyes were starting to see to the right, and I saw complete darkness. And what did I do? What would anyone do? Hopefully it would not accelerate, but I hit the brakes. Um, and so, when you look at this, and you look at the video with the man, um, as he was walking around, I don't know if you noticed how he picked up his cane and he adjusted it right before he fell in. And that, I think, is a good example of how his steps outran his vision, which was the length of the stick. And so, one of the things um, about that, too, is in darkness, because you have no pers perspective, you tend to go around in circles a lot. 
You know, you walk around, you're not sure what's left, right, up, down, north, or south. And so you walk around in circles. And some of those circles are, you know, you suffer from things in there. You know, so say you have, like me, I'm suffering from something or dealing with sin. And you're going around in the circles. And Tony Evans, and you keep going through the same same trials and, and, and tribulations throughout this time. And you go to God, like, why am I going through the same thing over and over and over again. I heard Tony Evans on the radio one time as I was going through one of my trials years ago, and he had the same question come up. One of the women in his congregation asked him, you know, Pastor Evans, and, or maybe it was Pastor Tony, and he said, Pastor, why do I keep going through the same trials over and over and over again? And with the wisdom that only Tony Evans could deliver, he looked at it and he goes, well, maybe God is still trying to teach you the same lesson you haven't learned. And I look at that, and that's the story of my life. But, you know, I look at with this darkness and, and, and how it causes confusion, and you go around in circles, maybe it's the same trial. And we just keep looping around it in the same time because we have no light to show us to not avoid that. So, when you think about it, darkness does distract. It doesn't give us clarity. It doesn't let us know where we're going. The third point, and you can take it from the slide, was darkness is dangerous. Um, You know, society seduces me into thinking that darkness isn't dangerous. You know, that... Music and culture talks about how darkness is good. You know, I mean, Bruce Springsteen had his breakthrough song, Dancing in the Dark, right? Everyone remember that? Um, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't dance in the dark because I'd fall or hit myself, you know? It'd be dangerous. Um, And then, you know, we had uh, Judas Priest singing Living After Midnight. Um, You know, darkness is after midnight. And when I look at that, I go, nowadays, it's, it's not, you know, living after midnight. It's actually, I want to say, sleeping after midnight. Um, and, you know, um, and trying to sleep longer and longer. So the verse goes, you know, sleeping after midnight, I reward it, snoring to the dawn, holding it to the morning, morning, then I go, go, go. So that's kind of how I look at it now after this. So anyways, um, when my kids started to date, started to go out, um, they lived after midnight, and I always told them, I said, you know, nothing good, no good phone call comes in after midnight. You know, I don't hear somebody saying, you know, hey, we're announcing we just had a baby, okay? Or, you know, I just won a lottery, you know? Or um, I got that dream job promotion. Those calls don't come after midnight. Well, maybe the lottery if it wasn't a friend of mine who's calling to rub it in, but um, you know what I'm talking about. So only the calls, the calls that only come in are, um, I was in an accident. I needed to be picked up because my friend went off with someone and left me, and they get progressively worse and worse, you know. Darkness is dangerous and deadly. A study showed a, um, studies show that people on the road between dusk and dawn are three times more likely to be involved in a severe car accident. Another study showed that despite the roads being less active 
at night, approximately 50% of serious car accidents and fatalities occur after dark. I could go on and on, but the observations from one study attempted to explain why there are more accidents at night, and I think it kind of sums up this. A number of factors contribute to the high percentage of nighttime fatalities. Among them, poor roadway lighting, lack of retroreflective signage, inadequate lane markings, and driver behavior such as drunk driving and distracted driving and excess speed. So we can conclude that darkness is dangerous and deadly. The fourth data point is darkness is loneliness. Gwen passed an article on to me about the effects of darkness. It was titled, The Isolation in Dark Drive, in Dark, in the Dark Drives, Humans to the Brink of Insanity. It was published in Science Explorer in November of 19, 2015. So what they did in this study is they had two cave people, not cave people, you know, two, two cavers. <laughs> that's, a, that's a whole message for another time. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, their names were Jose, Josie Lores and Antonio Cini. And um, what they did was these people were experienced people that, you know, caved, explored, spelunking, I think it's called. Um, so... They put them in the caves. They were 100 feet apart, so they didn't know each other was there, and they had contact back and forth with uh, the central place that monitored their, their sleeping, their eating, their everything. And um, what was really interesting, so they both went down in the cave on December 14th. The year is irrelevant. Um, uh, Lori's spent 88 days down in the cave. She got out, they brought her out on March 12th, okay. She thought that it was February 25th, okay. So she, she had actually lost track of time, okay. Time seemed to slow down for her, but in life it sped up. Um, and then when you look at Sini, he did the same thing. He spent 126 days down there. He came in, and he thought it was February 4th. Okay, so he lost more time. They had to wear dark glasses to shield their sensitive eyes from light. And one of the things they noticed was that Sini would sleep for 30 hours, but only feel like he took a short nap. Um, they also say that you could sleep for 48 hours when, when you're in complete darkness, you know. And I know, you know, that might be attractive to some of us who are not getting enough sleep. <laughs> but I, I, I think uh, it's not what I want. Because what happens, they say, is you start hallucinating, too. You know, imagine not sleeping in the dark, start hallucinating. I, I think I could come up with a lot of things in my mind that, my mind that would scare me. Um, so, you know, it wouldn't be an understatement for me to say that darkness isn't good for anyone. But I argue that I don't live in complete darkness, okay? So I'm good, right? I don't live in complete darkness. But I have to ask myself, how much darkness am I willing to live with? How much darkness is too little so that the light doesn't retreat? How much sin can I live with before darkness defines me more than light? How much 
sin is God willing to tolerate in my life? I may not claim that I don't sin, but the darkness which lies tells me that the sin is barely noticeable. The darkness whispers, we don't see that little, he won't see that little itsy bitsy sin in your, on your soul. I'm gonna show you a little clip. It's from Seinfeld. And um, I want you to watch it and look at from the view of those little tiny sins that we have in our life that we don't think of anyone. We don't sin, so you can roll it. It's $85, marked down from 600 Wow. Uh, excuse me, miss? Yeah? How come this sweat is only $85? Oh, here. This is why. What? I don't see anything. See this red dot? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's damaged. Well, it's not really damaged. <laughs> wow, $85, huh? Mm -hmm. There's no exchanges on this. You think she'd care about the dot? It's hard to say. I don't even think she'd notice it. Can you see it? Well, I can see it. Yeah, but you know where it is. Well, what do you want me to do, not look at it? Pretend you didn't know it was there. Can you see it? It's hard for me to pretend because I know where it is. Well, just take an overview. Can't you take an overview? You want me to take an overview? Please. I see a very cheap man holding a sweater trying to get away with something. That's my overview. George, this is one of the nicest things anyone has ever given me. Ah, good, good. Listen, take it off, you know. You're going to wear it out already. It's for special occasions, this thing. <laughs> What's that red dot on your sweater? <laughs> so are we like that? Aren't we like, you know, uh, that real red dot, no one will notice. I, I came to the conclusion after that and after my, you know, study of this Bible that we all need a Kramer in our life, don't we? The one to point out those spots that we don't see. Um, you know, one of the facts that I gave you early on was light or lightness appears mostly with darkness. What I didn't add was that light appears 263 times in the Bible. That's almost twice as much as darkness appears. Isn't God great? His light doesn't just cover minimally the darkness. He doubles down on the darkness. Jesus' words in John 8, 12 says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. Light is life. Light is safety. John 3, 21 says, but whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. Light tells the truth, Right? Psalm 119.105, your word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. Light gives us clarity. And then early in this vote, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Life is fellowship and I can argue life is freedom. Um, I want to retake up that clip that we first saw with the blind man fell into tracks and let you know how it comes out. So, Angie, you want to roll the clip? Okay, so you see now, in the light, the, the blind man didn't know that he had friends and helpers around him. Life saves life. And, you know, going through this, I understand that 
up here I know this, but how do I connect it down here? I can read and read and read about light and the properties of light, but how do I make it down here? The light is still, the light is still separated from darkness in parts of my life. How do I let the light push away the darkness? It's, it's obvious, confession, we talked about it in the verse. Um, you know, when I look at that, that's what the data's telling me. Even though God knows my sins, I still need to confess it to him, but this, still, but this still resides up here. You know, I need to confess, and you know, part of the Lutheran tradition is public confession, um, and one of the things, I'm gonna, you know, my background was I was the younger, I had two older siblings, and I had a brother who was great at everything. Everything. You know, whether it was batman, checkers, tennis, football, whatever. He always beat me, and he let me know that. Um, so what I did was I found a niche. I found something that I could be good at that he wasn't. And I honed that skill and got better and better and better, and I got really, really good at it. And that continued throughout my life as I went on. And I started to toot my own horn about that. You know, here I'm good at this, I'm good at this, toot, toot. As the career went on, I added not just the horn section, I added some maybe strings. <laughs> As I went on further in my career, I added some percussion. And by the time I was about five years into my career, I had a whole symphony orchestra playing to my, good de- well, my goodness. And then a Kramer came into my life. My boss pulled me aside and said, you know, I need to talk to you. We have an opportunity for growth. And you know, anyone that's in the workplace, when they hear that, they know you're gonna get hit with something, right? And so he said his boss had told my boss that Todd does great work, but he lets everyone know it. Okay, and right there, you know, the light was on and I had a choice to make. I had to deal with it. So over the past decades, I've asked God to teach me how to be humbler. And boy, did he teach me. (laughs) I'm not the same person that my boss said I was years ago today, but I need to remain diligent because I'm addicted to that sin. Sin is addictive. I will never be cured. I know the moment I allow that first drop of pride to touch my lips, I'm gonna fall. To keep on my path, I needed friends, close people that could um, just challenge me, you know, see right into you. And when I built that into my life, bringing people to tell me the truth. And that was good. But, you know, what demeaned it, I had to share my struggle. That's where this connected with here. And so, like me that just did this, I want to give everyone a chance to publicly confess their sins. Well, before you panic, and you don't need to jump up and shout out your sins for everyone to hear. Um, Some of you may, but go ahead. (laughs) But again, if you take out your phones for just one last poll. Um, And so we have the seven deadly sins, and I add the other category because, you know, you might feel like none of them fit here, so put it as other. I was gonna put another one that says all of the above. 
because in my life, I've gone through all those sins through my life. But, I, <laughs> but so, so start doing that. Um, and I want to pray, too, now, before we do this, is that um, just bow your heads and hold off on the voting yet. <laughs> so, dear Lord, um, we come to you humbled, knowing that I have darkness in my life, and I need to shine the light. I pray that you help all of us to allow your light to shine into our lives, to scatter the darkness, to chase it away, to just never allow it to come back, to purify us, to catarize those wounds, and help us to be bold and take those steps to keep it out of our lives. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So keep voting. Um, and <laughs> I just want to say that, um, that if any of you wants to further go into this later on, um, please, you know, Dave and I will be up front. There's elders around. We could talk more about it. Um, and, and I just thank you um, for just allowing me to talk to you today. <laughs>